Before we uh, go into the sermon, I got a couple of things. Okay. I'd like to share with you. Um, Christmas Eve is this Saturday, six o'clock. So we'll have uh, Christmas Eve, six o'clock on Saturday, candlelight service. Great time to invite people uh, from the community, friends, family. Uh, just a great time of celebration. And then Christmas Day falls on a Sunday, so we'll see you all here next Sunday. Um, we'll have one service, one service at 10 o'clock, all right? It'd be about eight other people. No, we'll have a great time. Um, it, Christmas, Eve, Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock. Christmas Day, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock only, all right? So we'll all kind of pile in here together on 10 o'clock. It will be a, a little shorter service than uh, normal, um, but we'll have a great, great celebration. Also, today, after, the se- after this service, we're going to go over to the Grace Impact Center, have some pizza. The soccer field will be open for about 45 minutes we have the futsal court, basketball court will be open the entire time. We'll put the game up on the big screen. Um, we're just going to hang out. I know I was standing there with some of the staff uh, this week and looking at that field. And I don't know how long you've been coming to Grace Chapel, but I, we, Deb and I, my wife Debbie and I, and, and we started the church with a few others. And since we first purchased this property, I've been standing in that gigantic room talking about how someday this is going to be a multi-purpose field, like a turf field. We can use it for Fellowship Hall and we can use it for soccer. We can use it for missions opportunities, all kinds of things. Um, Now, it's not perfectly complete yet, and it will be in about a week or so, but it's occupiable. It looks incredible. Um, Just the the transformation and just be able to stand there and envision something years ago with a a lot of other people and to see it come to fruition is just it's just a great feeling. One of the one of the the people in our church, uh, one of the uh, families in our church was over there this past week and they wrote an email and it basically said, I think you put it up. Yeah, it's like 25 kids. I can't see with my glasses. I'm going to put my glasses on. Um, it said uh, 25, 25 kids on the futsal court, 15 kids on the turf field, 15 more waiting. Parents are everywhere. Zumba's in the warehouse. The place is electric. You know, you can read it. I mean, it's so amazing. They're talking about how, how they love the facility. They're, they're, we're going to have hundreds, hundreds of people a week from our community in that facility. While there, well, there were people, 50 people waiting to get in the room where Zumba was being led because uh, they wanted to have a meeting. So, I mean, the, the vision that we have had, we have had as a church, is a reality. And people are using this facility. And lives are going to be changed. People are going to come to know Christ because of the Grace Impact Center. And I'm just more than thrilled um, to, uh, to have that as part of Grace Chapel right now. Real quick, um, Please remember, you know what, we we have done you. I want to say thank you first and foremost. Thank you for the sacrifice that so many of you have made this year in giving. We have hired another staff person. We have taken care of our general budget. And we've also finished off uh, probably 25,000 square feet of building that we can use. And now it looks incredible in 2011 without having a capital campaign. Okay. Uh, in a bad economy, and we are so close to just going out of 2011 in the black, breaking even. We're so close. So I just want to thank you all so much for for all your sacrifice this year. And let's go over there after second service. Even if you just come over and check it out, grab a piece of pizza and leave. Um, just want to celebrate that time um, as a church. Now, even more uh, enjoyable this morning. 
Uh, we have Steve and Christy Ross here from Mexico, um, and Evelyn, and I'm going to ask them to come forward because we are going to de- dedicate Evelyn this morning. Now, Steve and Christy, I usually ask the dad to, uh, to you, know, you know, introduce his family, but you guys are different, so I'm going to have to, I'm sorry, I introduced you before you got up here. Um, but they have been missionaries from Grace Chapel. How many years now? How many? Wow, five years, five years, and this is their first, and so we're going to, we're going to de- dedicate Evelyn this morning. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Steve to just share the verse that you have chosen for Evelyn. Yeah, we chose, um, if I can get it up in here, Proverbs 3, 5. Um, it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Awesome. Um, what we, if you haven't been here before, we usually do is we, we, I ask them a question and they answer yes. And then I turn to you and ask you a question, ask you a question and I would like you to answer yes, if you would. Um, so let's, let's begin. Um, Stephen Christie, is it your desire to raise Evelyn in a way that honors Jesus Christ? Will you pray for her, love her, and help her grow to spiritual maturity? If so, answer yes. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. I won't touch her. <laughs> I was going to reach out and touch her and break my own rules, but that will not happen. All right. Now, a question for the body. And, you know, you know, these things sometimes can be kind of, you know, we go through the motions. We're not going through the motions here. I'm going to read this to you. And I want you and with your hearts to think about the words that I'm asking. This is the body of Christ. We are in this together. Stephen Christie live in Mexico, and we're going to be going there in March together as a church, so we'll spend some time with them. But uh, they're a part of our body, and it's challenging enough to raise your children you know, right here in the States, but to be missionaries and try to raise your child there, extra challenges, okay? So please, from the heart, as I, as I ask you this question, I want you to say yes from the heart. Will you promise to pray for this family through the challenging years to come. Will you encourage, protect, and love them as they try to raise her in a way that honors Jesus Christ? If so, answer yes. Okay. Now, if you guys would sit right down here. Don't trip on that little thing. This is my favorite part. And... I know there's a lot of us, but you know what? doesn't matter. They're going to sit down, and we're going to come out. Come out from your seat. We're going to have people behind, lay hands on. We're going to kind of come around, and we're going to pray for them. So stand up. Uh, come on now. A little exercise. Usually there's a whole bunch of families, but you're going to have the entire church all at once laying hands on you. Don't touch the baby. <laughs> awesome. Take your time. We were, we're good. Come on up. All right, what a great picture. What a great picture. Just This is the way the body of Christ should function, surrounding a family and protecting and praying and encouraging. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we pray for Steve and for Christy and for Evelyn. 
as they seek, Lord, to live out your will for their lives. Father, we pray for protection through the challenging years that we know are to come. We pray that you would give them wisdom as parents, that you give them discernment as they try to raise Evelyn in a way that would honor you, in a way that will help her grow in Christ-like character. May they put their trust in you at all times as they try to live out your will in all circumstances. Father, may this family, who we love so much, we cherish, Lord God, in this church, may they be a testimony of your mercy and your grace and your love and your compassion. May they be a testimony as they live out their lives for you. Father, we pray that you would use this precious little girl in a powerful way, that you'd anoint her life, that you would bless her life, and that, Lord God, she would grow up to be like her parents, in love with you, willing to serve you with all of her heart. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you all so much. Next Sunday morning is Christmas Day, and I was thinking that I've never given, nor have I ever heard, a sermon on Joseph, Jesus' father. How many people have ever actually heard a sermon on Joseph? Raise your hand. Anybody? A couple people? That's what I mean. Never a couple people. I, I, I never heard it. Now... I've studied, I was studying, all right, this last couple of weeks, and, and there's, Joseph does, isn't quoted at all. He doesn't say a single thing in the Gospels. And we can only imagine, I mean, give me a read you from, from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 first here. You can only imagine as we, as we kind of read this, you know, some of the things that he might have said. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary's was ple- Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. 
and he gave him the name Jesus. You read that, that's, you know, a lot of the description of Joseph is there. And so we're left to kind of, you know, imagine the conversation, the conversations he may have had with Mary and the angel Gabriel. Maybe, you know, the, the, we kind of envision the, the discussion that he had with the innkeeper. We, we can just imagine him teaching Jesus carpentry. And, you know, we have the, we kind of have those thoughts. But then after the, a lot of the verses here, Joseph kind of fades from the scene. Most people believe that Joseph was older, much older than Mary. And so by the time Jesus began his public ministry, it seems that Mary is the only one there. Now, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but uh, Mary it doesn't say that Mary was a widow. But that we can we can assume, though, that at this point, Joseph himself had died. Joseph was uh, was a pretty amazing man from my perspective. And. I look at his life, and his life was pretty much planned out. His marriage to Mary, his vocation was pretty much laid out by his family. But then this neat, if you think about it, you know, he's this ordinary man, and his life is going along, you know, just like our lives will be going along. We love the Lord and everything, life's going along. And all of a sudden, his neat, uh, pretty much safe, controlled world comes to an end. He finds out that his his soon-to-be wife, his bride, is pregnant. His soon-to-be bride is pregnant. I mean, now, before I go on here, you, you have to... I think sometimes we get the Christmas story and we see the angelic whole scene and we think of Mary and Joseph and, you know, they, somehow they're superhuman. And, you know, the angel of the Lord spoke to them. So you, why would Joseph ever... But think about this. Here's an ordinary man. I'm going to say a simple man. I'm not talking intellectually. I'm just talking a simple life. He's going to be married. He's going to, he, he's, his family picks out this, this wife for him. He's, got, he's a carpenter. It's all good. He's going to get married to her. He's probably really excited. And then he finds out that she's pregnant. Now, again, put yourself in this man's shoes. Not this superman. Not this, you know, over-the-top, you know... Just he's a man, and put yourself in his shoes. What what he might have been going through, and then I ask myself, what are some things that Joseph can teach us as we think about this Christmas season? Think about our own lives. What are some things this unique man chosen by God to raise Jesus? What can he teach us? Well, first. I think Joseph can teach us about integrity, integrity and compassion. I think he can teach us a lot about integrity and compassion. The way he handled this situation, again, that's the guy here, okay? He's a man. He's not Jesus in a sense. He's not perfect. The way he handled this situation before he found out the angel of the Lord spoke to him says a lot about him. He showed a great deal of integrity. He wanted to do the right thing and he wanted to do it in the right way. He was a righteous man, the Bible says. Listen to Matthew 1, 18, 19. It says, again, it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. 
he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He was going to divorce her when he learned of her pregnancy. And he wanted to, he wanted to do it in such a way that he wouldn't draw attention to the reason. He wasn't going to draw attention to the reason that, that, that he was divorcing her. Remember in Joseph's day, not only could Joseph have held her up to public ridicule and disgrace, he could have had her stoned to death for adultery. Again, here, if you, you put other people, I know of situations similar to this, okay? Before you find out about the whole thing that's going on, the miraculous part and everything, you can imagine if you're a guy and you find out the person you're going to be married to is all of a sudden pregnant. The, the jealousy, the rage, the frustration, all these things, all these male things coming out. Enraged. He could, have, he could have held her up to public ridicule. He could have had her stoned for adultery. And he doesn't do that. Instead, he risks his own reputation and he marries her. A marriage contract in these days were put together, in, in, in the days of Mary and Joseph, were put together by their families. And the, and the couple would live with their, the different, the, the, the husband would live with his family and the wife with her family. They would live with their parents until their wedding. Their friends, their family, their community, I mean, you think about it, could have thought that Mary and Joseph, you know, little shenanigans were going on here, uh, you know, before the wedding, which would, which would be publicly um, not, a, not a very good thing. Joseph protected their reputation by moving the wedding up, and then the Roman census takes them away from the kind of the wand, the eyes of other people, and the maybe the questions that would arise given the situation. You know, let's put this together. Wait, he gets married here, she's pregnant when, you know, all this kind of thing. So they don't have to deal with that. What an amazing example, my perspective, of godly wisdom and compassionate consideration for others. You know, as I was going through this over the past couple of weeks, I started looking at, at the life of Jesus, who Jesus Christ was as a man. And I look at the life of Joseph, the kind of man he was, showing that kind of consideration, compassionate consideration for Mary, showing that kind of integrity right up front, right out of the gate, showing that kind of integrity, the patience he must have had. The ability to control his emotions, not just lash out right away. I say to myself, no wonder he was the one who was picked to be the earthly father of Jesus. Second, Joseph teaches us about humility. Although Joseph, the Bible tells us he was in the line of David, although Joseph is in the, is in the royal line of David, We can tell by his actions, it's obvious by his actions, that he wasn't an arrogant or selfish person, but that he had a a humble heart. He was humble. Again, think of yourself. The best way to understand is to put yourself, in a sense, in this situation. You think, well, if I heard heard an angel came to me and spoke to me in a dream, you know what? Think of David. Think of King David, okay? Uh, slays Goliath, God speaks to him, he kills Goliath, all this kind of thing. And remember what he did with Bathsheba later on? I mean, these are only humans. Joseph's only human. Now, can you imagine putting yourself in this situation and you hear all these things are going on and, and, you know, I don't think humility may be the one characteristic that comes out in many of our lives. 
pride. I cannot believe. What are people going to think? She, I can't believe she did this. All this going on in his mind before the angel spoke to him. Even afterward, the struggle he may have, he may have faced. But Joseph was humble. In the brief portrait we find in Scripture, it tells us that he endured hardship. He was able to endure hardship and disappointment. He was a humble man. I think this generation, not just the the younger, but I mean our generation as a whole, can learn a lot about humility from Joseph. How he handled himself in a very stressful and a very difficult situation. Regardless, I mean, all right, God speaks to you in a dream. How do you handle that? God speaks to us. How do, we, how, do we, how do we process that in our minds? How do we handle that information? Remember, Joseph didn't have it all laid out for him from birth to resurrection. He didn't know everything that was going to go on. It wasn't a, there wasn't some, some playbook that God downloaded into his brain about, hey, don't worry about it. Here's how it's going to work out. He didn't have that. God speaks to him. He follows with humility. Third, Joseph teaches us about obedience. I mean, when, when, when the angel spoke to him in his dream, he accepted the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth. He accepts it. The angel speaks to him. Joseph responds. He's accepting. Instead of challenging God's will, he takes Jesus as his own. He accepts God's revelation. God reveals this to him. He accepts his revelation. He follows his instruction. He goes from Nazareth to Bethlehem, then on to Egypt, and then back to Nazareth as God tells him as God commands him. He's obedient to God. He listen, He trusted God's plan and purpose every step of the way. Every step of the way. Here's an obedient man. What can we learn from Joseph? We can learn lessons about obedience. God tells him. Joseph responds. And listen, he didn't have like... Uh, there wasn't books out on, you know, uh, you know, chapter seven. If your wife, you find out your wife's pregnant by the Holy Spirit before you're married. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's no books on how to raise children here in this situation. And, you know, he didn't have any training on how to raise a perfect son, literally. OK, can you imagine? He didn't have any training on how he was going to raise this, this absolutely perfect child but he followed god's lead because the one thing he did have he had faith he had faith and he had compassion so he did what god asked him to do with what he had scholars speak of joseph as being an outstanding provider and protector for his family great a good man a good man he would protect he would protect them both I found it interesting, too, as I was reading this week. You know how you, they always show uh, Joseph, you know, Mary on the donkey and, you know, Joseph leading the donkey. And, you know, usually in, in reality, it's flip flopped. It's flip flop where the man's usually riding. The woman kind of walks alongside no matter where they're going. She kind of walked alongside. But I'll be honest with you. I really believe that's the way I don't have any absolute proof, but I believe that's the way these, this happened. The kind of man that Joseph was. The kind of integrity that Joseph had. His love for his, his family. He seems to be a pretty amazing man if you think about it. But you know, I find it interesting that in any Christmas pageants that you watch, have you ever seen Joseph getting like, getting, get like a starring role? He's always just kind of standing like this, you know what I mean? 
That's Joseph's role. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't say anything. Well, because really he doesn't say anything in Scripture either. But he doesn't say anything. And, you know, and Mary, you know, Mary and Jesus, obviously, you know, they, these are prime characters here. Joseph, you know, he, but he's an amazing. And think about the role that he played in the life of Jesus. Think about the role that he played in the life of the Messiah. Listen, Joseph had to trust God and he had to trust Mary. He had to have that trust. He had to believe in the power of miracles. He had to believe. What an incredible trusting person. He believed in the miracles of God as he watched over Mary and the baby Jesus. Now, you have to admit here that this probably was not Joseph's plan for his life, right? I mean, think about it. He didn't, you know, he wasn't thinking, well, you know, I'm going to marry her and she's going to give me a whole spirit and then we're going to, you know. That wasn't his plan. He was a carpenter. He was pretty, living a pretty simple life. Everything was going for him. This probably wasn't his plan. And you can just imagine the conversations that Joseph is having with himself and his own mind and with God during this whole situation. And just think about it. He's thinking to himself, you know, is this really happening to me? People talk about surreal you ever had a surreal experience in your life? Like, this is surreal. Okay, you want to talk about surreal? This is the ultimate surreal. You know, he's, he's living a life, a kind of a normal life, as we would call it. And in our family, we call things the new normal. Okay, things happen, you have to adjust. It's the new normal. For Joseph, it's the new normal. But imagine the thoughts that he would have, the conversations he would have in his own mind, the conversations he would have with God, an ordinary man asked to do the extraordinary. It should be encouraging to each one of us. Now, I'm not, I'm not belittling anyone, but I would, I would call most of it just kind of ordinary people. We're ordinary. But God asked the ordinary so many times in the Bible to do the extraordinary. And sometimes, you know what, God's heroes don't get the front billing. They don't get their name up in lights. God's heroes always don't get put in in situations where everybody reads about them, everybody hears about them. It is my opinion that some of the people that are going to be the most amazing in heaven, those with the biggest mansions and the biggest crowns, whatever else, those who are looked up to are people you have never heard of before in your entire life. Never heard of. Think about all those missionaries. All those missionaries who have gone over and have given their lives to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. First service, I told this, this story, and I think I've said it to you before. But you know, in, when missionaries first went to Nigeria, they packed their stuff in their coffins. They had a funeral before they left for the people who were going because they knew they were not coming back. And they packed all their stuff in their coffin so they have a coffin when they get over there so they can be buried in their own coffin. Okay, these are people that you have never. I went to a graveyard in Nigeria about three or four years ago, and no one there was over like 45 years old, 45, 50 years old. Not one person that I see over 45 or 50 years old. I know they weren't over 50. Ordinary people being asked to do extraordinary things. When God shows us his plan, we need to be like Joseph. When we hear that still, we all hear it too. If you don't hear it, you just need to be still and know that he is God and just listen. But when we hear that still, quiet voice from God saying, trust me, we need to follow. 
knowing that God's ways are not always our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I can tell you that sometimes what happens in your life, things that God will do in your life, you will not understand on this side of heaven. You know, we, want to, we always want to think everything that happens, we're going to be able to look back and say, this is how God worked. Now, for most of the things that happen in our lives, we are going to be able to say, say that. All these challenges you guys are facing right now, all these incredible challenges, you're going to be able to look back on 95% of it and say, or 90, whatever it is, and say, wow, look how God worked, and we can kind of hindsight and everything. But the, sometimes God works in ways that we will not understand this side of heaven. But God says, trust me and all things will work together for good regardless of the circumstances you're going through right now we need to be like Joseph and follow after God even if we don't understand the whole story God has spoken to me many times and said to me you will not sit under the tree of the sea there are things that are going to go on in your life that I want you to do right now that you will not see the fullness of what's happened in those areas. Now, when I first heard that from the Lord, I was actually sitting under a tree in Mexico reading a book, and, I, and, and God spoke to my heart and basically told me, I am not going to see, I'm not going to sit under the tree of the seeds, that I, all the seeds that I plant. I didn't like it. I want to see things come down. I want to, you know, I'm the kind of person who wants to see it now, right? But I had to come to the understanding that I'm not going to see it all. There are things that are going to happen in my life. There are situations. There are good things that are going to happen that I'm not going to be able to see it all this side of heaven. But we need to trust God's plan. Do you trust God's plan for your life right now, even though you don't understand it? When you're thinking to yourself, goodness, this is a little bit confusing right now. I don't understand how this and this and this. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand how this benefits me. I don't understand how this right now, nothing's working for anything. I don't see it all. When you're feeling that confusion, think of Joseph. That's your guy. Think of Joseph. When you're wondering, what? I, I don't understand. Think, think of Joseph. Think of this man. Fourth, Joseph can teach us how to love our wives. Then, Joseph loved Mary. Period. He loved Mary. Someone once told me, the best thing that you can do for his kids is to love their mother. The great one, the greatest way to show love for your children is to love their mother. I remember this definition of, of love in First Corinthians 13. I'm going to read it to you. I want you to think about Joseph. Uh, Paul laid this out. It says this: Love is patient. Absolutely. Love is kind. He's got that one. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not evil. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Does that not describe the man we're talking about this morning? I feel like it describes him perfectly. And the Bible doesn't tell us much, much about the years that Jesus was living at home. But I believe that we can glean from what we know about Jesus and what we know about Joseph. They had a deep, intimate relationship. They had a 
deep, affectionate relationship with one another. Let me tell you something. You don't need to be someone's biological father or mother to have a deep, affectionate relationship with the child. You know, I, I won that first game night. We had Kim and Jen, and they pretty much almost raised them. They were almost all completely raised by the time we adopted Joshua. And I just didn't know. I'm not saying I compared to anybody else. I never really thought about it that much. When we adopted Joshua, I learned something incredible. I have an intense love for him. I cannot make a distinction between Kim, Jen, and Josh in my heart, mind, soul at all. The love I have for him is so intense, it's incredible. You have to be the biological parent of a child in order to have a deep, affectionate, intimate relationship with that child. Jesus, isn't it interesting how God, when I say that, just ask any adopted parent or a child that's been adopted who's an adult and see the kind of relationship that they had. It's amazing. And I find it very interesting too that God uses adoption when it comes to us being into his family. He adopted us into his family and we are joiners with Jesus Christ and the intense love that we have that Joseph and Jesus obviously had. Fifth, Joseph teaches us how to be brave men. How to be brave people, but I'm going to say brave men. This, this guy was brave. Okay, let me read some Matthew chapter 2, 13 and 14. It says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is what it is. Get up, he said. Get up and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. Okay, here's a guy. Think about this. Again, you're just a person. You're just a human. And you're sleeping, and the angel speaks to you. Get up. Get up now. Take the child. The king is coming. He's going to try to kill the child. He's going to flee. He's going to go to Egypt. Okay, so he has to get up right now. He has to defy a king. What a big deal is protecting this child. Let me tell you something. One thing I've learned, I'm 49 years old. I used to think that all parents would protect the children in any situation. You're holding up now and know it's not true. And here's, here's, here's Joseph. He's going to protect Jesus and he's going to defy a king. Okay? He's going to then go to the place out of his comfort He's going to flee to Egypt. He's going to go to Egypt. And it's not like the angel said to him, you're Joseph. In a month or so. You know, to do this, so you know, take, a, take a shower, you know, relax a little bit, get to know each other, you know, kind of talk, and then pack your stuff, get a, you know, map, get a Google question, you know, lay it all out, get your path or anything, I'll be right there with you. You said, get up, get up, okay, go to Egypt. And Joseph does it. He's a brave. I'm going to tell you something. I've been through some pretty funky situations in my life, all right? And not everybody reacts the same way. I mean, Joseph's a brave guy here. Joseph's brave. He, he, God, you know, angel speaks to him, and he goes and does it. And again, God doesn't break. He's only a man. He's not a perfect man. He's a man. And think about in the last nine months what this guy's been going through. Okay? Just all of them swirling about his head. But God says do it, and Joseph does it. Because Joseph is a brave man. Joseph became the father of the Messiah who would teach all of us about the passion and the grace of God. 
going to have faith in God or not. There's a lot about Joseph that I would love to learn. There's so much more about Joseph that I would love to learn. Whatever he when, when he was born, for example. You know, what are some of the things that he said? He's not about interactions. How did he spend his days? When and how did he die? These are some questions that I kind of was thinking through. The last one about Joseph. He's on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem with Mary and Jesus when Jesus was 12. But there's something else about Joseph even in that. He didn't see anything because he didn't see anything. Mary is the one who was quoted. And so we can see that Joseph is going to quote that. Again, it's simple. I'm not simple-minded. I mean, this is a simple life, ordinary man. But here's what we do know about it. He did everything that God asked him to do. Joseph did everything that God expected him to do. He had such an incredible heart. He Joseph out of all the people he could have taken to raise